our praises this morning to the one who is the lifter of our heads. Amen. No matter what is going around around us, he is a shield about us. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are a shield. We bless your name, Lord. We bless you.
this morning. Judah is plowing for your healing this morning. So can we just participate in that? Do you want deliverance? Do you want healing? Can we just lift our hands and cry? Holy, holy, holy. I'm worthy, worthy, worthy.
Holy Spirit, I'm saying to us this morning, I've indeed surrounded you. I am indeed your shield, your buckler, your strength, your God, your glory, your honor. I am everything you need. Why look for this in other places? I am your fulfillment. I am your joy. I am your contentment. Seek my face. And David said in response, yes, Lord, I will seek your face. So today, that's what we've done, Lord God. We've sought your face. We've given you opportunity in this house to move. And we want to thank you for reminding us that you are all we need. You are all we need. Can we just lift our hands in his presence right now and thank him for that? And I believe that miracles took place in the house today. But I want you to know that if you did not receive that, keep your hands lifted and believe him for that, please. If you did, you did not receive that miracle right now, the promises are true. His promises are yes and amen. His promises will not fail you. He will not fail you. So, Lord, we just lift our hands and thank you that in advance that the answers are already on the way, that your promises are true in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We glorify you, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. your promises are true.
Praise God. He's doing some miracles in people's lives today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We want to thank you for being here at Northview Harvest Ministries. We're so glad to see you today. We want to give a special thank you and a special hand clap to our online, our online audience. Let's give them a big hand. And if this is your first time attending Northview Harvest Ministries, we are especially happy that you're here with us today. And if it is, if you would just lift your hand up, our ushers will give you a card to fill out. And if you'll fill that out, we have a gift for you after service. Any first-time attenders today? Any first-time attenders? I, I see some hands pointing. <laughs> Okay, well, let's give them a hand for being here today. Yes, we're glad that you're here. Thank you for coming. Yes. If you'll take that card out to the Welcome Center after service, we have a gift for you. So we're going to prepare ourselves to give today. We want to thank you so much. 
for all that you give toward Northview Harvest Ministries. We know this is great ground to sow into. It's fertile ground, and we have many ways to give. You can see it up on the screen. But if you want to give in-house today, um, if you'll raise your hand, our ushers have a tithing envelope if you need one. So if you need a tithing envelope, raise your hand now, and they will get one to you. Thank you so much for your giving. We are thankful for all that God gives us here at Northview and where we sow it and the fertile ground we sow it into. All right, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. And I just want to share something with you as you prepare to give today. You know, uh, as we were praying, I was thinking, you know, he inhabits the praise of his people. And has he not inhabited our praise today? And the Bible says that he loves a cheerful giver. Now you're probably thinking, what does that have to do with each other? If you're in the presence of God, how can you not be cheerful? He has lifted heads today. He is honored today. He has been with us today. He has set people free today. And so we're going to be cheerful givers today. Amen? Yes, yes. How can you not be cheerful when the King of Glory inhabits your praise? How can you not be? So I'm going to ask you to stand. And if you're going to give in-house today, we're going to ask you to come forward and give. Be nice to everybody because your basket is all the way full. <laughs> oh, Father, we thank you today for these wonderful men who serve in this capacity today. And we thank you for all of the other people that are serving around this campus. 
even as we speak, nursery, junior children's church, children's church, media, live stream, sound, praise team, musician, musician, singers, security, all it got all the folks that are putting their hand to the plow today because we want we want to create an atmosphere. We want to set a table where people can come in and have a buffet of spiritual revelation of fellowship with one another but above all fellowship with the spirit we want a buffet where the atmosphere of healing provision and grace and mercy permeate everything that's said and done of healing of salvation of deliverance miracles the miraculous the supernatural of God demonstrated in the earth among the realms of men. And God, as this offering is brought before you today, your tithe that is returned to you, the offering that is given. Father, your accounting system in heaven is perfect. And you reward people. We're not buying miracles. We're simply operating according to an order. Not a command, but an order that was established of sowing and reaping. And I pray that your people would receive the rewards. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We praise you in advance. God, there may be financial difficulties going on in this country. We may be in a recession, as some say, or facing a pending recession, as others may say. But God, I declare, as the pastor over this house, we refuse to participate in that. And we're standing on the word of God. And the dynamics and the financial system, the analytics, the statistics of heaven never go wrong. They are not swayed by Wall Street, White House, Congress, nor Senate. The only thing that sways the kingdom of God is what comes out of the throne of God. And Psalms 119 verse 89 says that your word, O Lord, is settled in heaven. Before everything ever started, you already had it written down. You knew the end from the beginning. You call forth those things that are, that are not as though they were. And I speak that over the people of this house today. And if you receive that, I want you to give the Lord a big old shout of praise. Would you do that? Amen. I, I need you to do something before you're seated. I need you to do something. I need you to help me do something. Y'all help me do something. All right. If you're able... I need you to turn around in your seat. You don't need to get out of it, but I need you to find five people. Count with me. One, two, three, four, five. I need you to find five people. You don't need to get out of your seat, but I need you to get their attention. I need them to be at least 10 feet away from me. I need you to wave your hand, do jumping jacks or something. Like if I, if Miss Linda, she can't talk tonight because she shouted so, she screamed so much at a football game Thursday night, she might still be a little hoarse. But I need you to do like this, get her attention. And hey, Miss Linda, I love you. I need you to tell somebody that. Tell them you're glad to see them today. Let somebody know you're acknowledging them today. Thank you, gentlemen. I love y'all. Uh, hey, 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 yes, sir.
my people. All right, and uh, I'm gonna switch mics, Mr. Matt. And uh, so, RJ, check, watch your volume back there because I'm about to switch them up. All right. Hallelujah. Let me hear somebody say, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Now look, if you're in this room today and I just had people just look around and find five people, listen to me. If nobody got your attention, if nobody got your attention, let you know that they were glad to see you today. I need you to look at me real strong. This guy is glad that you are here today. And I've got some things in my spirit that I am going to release to you today that I pray is going to make a dynamic impact upon your life. And Matt, you can pull me down just a tiny, tiny bit in the house, my man. I don't have any overheads today. I don't have any slides. I don't have any fancy graphics. We're going old school today. So you better get your Bible out, get your smart device, Get your notepad. If you don't have a notepad, get your bulletin out because on the back of that nice, snazzy bulletin, there's a place on there for sermon notes. And I don't know that what I'm going to do is going to qualify as technically hermeneutically or homiletically a sermon, but I tell you what, I'm about to give you a truckload of truth that I believe is going to help some folk in here. And I believe it's going to help change the atmosphere over this entire county. Yes. And can I say not just this county, but I believe what I'm about to release in here is going to change some things in this entire region. So you folks from Marlboro, you folks from Moore, you folks from Hope, you folks from Robco, or wherever, Richmond, wherever y'all are coming in here from, I want to tell you right now, I am about to release something in here by the Spirit of God that I believe is going to shake some strongholds in the atmosphere. Now, I need you to put your big boy and your big girl pants on because we got to march off our map a little bit, which means there may be some things that I need to say today that I am going to swim upstream on. I'm going to go against the grain. Jimmy, hold Miss Faye up because she's going to get way up on the edge of her seat today. Let me, let me go ahead and preface this. Y'all know my heart. Those of you that know me, you know my heart. You know my heart is for God and for people. If you know that, let me hear you verify that. Yeah. And you know my heart is I'm not going to say something just for the sake of saying something. If I say it, then I have been directed by the Holy Spirit to say it. I've done my research and I've weighed it out and I've sought counsel to be sure that I'm hearing from God and not have a good Tim idea, I need a God idea. Now we're on the second series of this thing that I'm doing uh, for the next couple of weeks called The Adams Family. 
And when I say the Adams family, I know a lot of people think, well, we're in October, it's spooky, kooky month, so a lot of people automatically start thinking, they're creepy and they're kooky, they're all together spooky. And they start thinking that Adams family. But as we started out and laid the launching pad last week, that's not the Adams family, that's A-D-D-A-M-S, apostrophe S, the Adams family. We're not talking about those folk. We're not talking about cousin it that doesn't know what he or she is. Though I'm gonna address some of that today. We're not talking about Gomez, so when his wife speaks French or any other foreign language, he loses all resolve and goes into a passionate conniption ready to be intimate with her on the spot. Though we have that in a lot of culture today. We're not gonna talk about Morticia who walks around looking like a dead person. Morticia, mortician, death, mortified. We're not gonna talk about folks who are preoccupied with death today. We're not gonna talk about the Adams family who if people come to their house, normal people come to their house and freak out because in the Adams family, their abnormal is the normal. And they don't understand normal people because to them, normal people look abnormal. So we're not gonna talk about a generation and a culture today that calls right wrong and wrong right. Oh, wait a minute, I'm sorry, I've been talking about them when I said I wasn't gonna talk about them, wasn't I? Because that's not the Adams family that we're talking about, but that Adams family is carrying the trait from another Adam. And so last week we laid down the foundation that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and then God said in Genesis 1, 26, 27, he said, let us make man, let us make them in our image. And God goes on to say, you know, let them have dominion over all of the earth, let them, uh, you know, let them, they're gonna procreate, they're gonna replenish it, they're gonna do this. And so in Genesis chapter two, he created that man and the man's name was Adam. And then later in Genesis chapter two, God created a garden and he put Adam in that garden. And then later in Genesis chapter two, God saw Adam all by himself and he said it's not good that man should be alone. So God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and God reached into him and he pulled a rib out of his side and he created a woman and called it prime rib. <laughs> and Adam woke up and looked at Eve and said, Lord God, you did good. And he's still doing good. Let me hear all husbands say amen. amen. That was weak. I just set y'all up like on the flight deck, man. All y'all gotta do is hit throttle and go. Let me hear the men say amen. Amen. And listen now, in Genesis chapter two, Adam, who was given the responsibility of naming all the animals and creatures on the earth, Adam called her woman which if you study that in the original Hebrew of which this was written, woman is actually the feminine side of the word for man. I look at it this way, woman, wo man, wound, not wounded, wound like you have a wound to carry a baby in. Wound man, he called her a woman. 
And let me go ahead and give you the preface here to where we're going today. In the garden, there was no gender confusion. So in Genesis chapter three, well in Genesis two also, when God put Adam in the garden, I forgot the one very important thing there, is he told Adam, he said, you can eat of any tree. Remember Adam, was, uh, he wasn't made yet at this point. He said, you can eat any fruit that you want to in this garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, when you eat of it, you're gonna die. I want to remind you, God did not say if you eat of it. He said when you eat of it. Why is that important, folks? It is important because God already had a remedy in motion before there was a need for the remedy. So Adam and Eve are in the garden, Genesis chapter three, they're in the garden and a serpent, Satan inside a serpent comes up to Eve and begins having a conversation. Did God really say you can't eat of the tree of good and evil? And she's like, oh, we can't eat of it, we can't touch it. And, and they continue to have this conversation. She said, because if we do, we're gonna die. And the serpent says, Satan beguiling her duping her. Oh, I forgot to tell y'all, if y'all wanna put this on a Facebook social media today, here's your hashtag. Ready? Hashtag fix it. Fix it. Somebody shout, fix it. Fix it. So, Eve and the serpent are having this conversation. And eventually she reaches out and, and where well, the serpent said, you're not gonna surely die, but when you eat it, you're gonna be like God. Your eyes are gonna be open. You're gonna be like God. How many of y'all understand today that is still the trick of the devil to humanity? You won't die. You can be like God. This humanism and new age movement, the age of Aquarius when humanity will hit the next, next sporadic moment of evolution and become like God. It's all a lie, folks. It's been a lie since the garden. Eve reaches out, she looks at it, she gets closer and closer and closer. She touches it, probably something like that. Y'all think the lady, y'all think she did that, ladies? Give me a woman's input. You think she did it? She thinks she just kind of dinged it a little bit. Just touched it and nothing happened. Then she touched it again, nothing happened. Then she started rubbing it. Then she reached out and grabbed it and then she pulled it off and she's sitting there looking at it. She's not dead. Maybe the serpent was right. She bites into it. She's still alive and, and she's not dead, but nothing's happened. So she turns around and looks at Adam and I wonder if Adam is thinking what? have you done? Because he's right there with her. Listen to me, y'all. And she hands him the fruit. He bites into it. How many of y'all, now this was not an apple that, that they bit into, so go ahead and get that little fairy tale children's church story out of your mind, okay? It's a fruit like you've never seen and never been seen before or since. Are we together here? But how many of you ever been up, you went through your kitchen, you grabbed an apple out of the fruit bowl, and when you bit into it, you could hear that crunch sound. How many of y'all understand when Eve handed it to Adam? Eve was tricked. The Bible says she was beguiled. She was duped, but she handed it to Adam. He wasn't tricked. He wasn't duped. He was not beguiled. He took it wholeheartedly. And when he took it and he bit into it and that crunch of his teeth 
breaking into the flesh of that fruit, suddenly people hear me. There was a spiritual transaction that mankind had never experienced before. Suddenly the word of God became a reality and when Adam bit into it, he didn't fall to the ground dead, but he stood there dead. Sin swooped into man's body. Death and decay swooped into man's body. That perfect being that God created in a perfect environment, in a perfect setting, with a perfect wife. Now everything in Adam, not only his DNA, not only his chromosomes, not only his body, but the entire earth around him has now been cursed because of his disobedience. Adam, in the words of Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? Adam, How's that working for you? Hold on a minute. Now last week another thing that we laid out is that everybody that is alive today is from Adam's family. So everything that happened to Adam happens to us. Every child that has been born by the sperm of a, of a man entering into the womb and the egg of a female has carried that sin curse. Born. I don't care how perfect, I don't care how innocent, I don't care how beautiful the baby is, deep inside that baby is the curse waiting to destroy. Adam, how's that working for you? Now here's the thing, I know we can't ask Adam. I believe Adam is in heaven. I believe after he walked with God, I believe his heart was righteous. I believe he made repentance. I believe Adam is in heaven. But let me tell you something, I can't ask Adam a thing today, but I got some of Adam's kids in here. And I wanna ask y'all, Adam's kids, how's that working for you? How's all this stuff that's happening in the world today, how's that working for us? Because let me go ahead and say right now that he's not just the first Adam, a second Adam came, did he not? How many of y'all remember that big word I gave y'all, those two words, proto-evangelium, that in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, when Adam sinned, that God came into the garden and God spoke to the serpent and he said, serpent or said devil, Satan between you and the woman's seed. I'm not messing with the man's seed because now man's seed is dead. It's cursed. It's carrying the curse of sin and death. But Satan, between you and the woman's seed, because he God already knew 2,000, 4,000 years later that the Holy Spirit was gonna dispatch an angel into a city called Nazareth, hallelujah, that there was a virgin girl. Oh, come on, somebody. See, the Holy Spirit already knew that he was gonna speak through the prophet Isaiah, and he said, a virgin shall conceive. 
The angel spoke to Mary and said, Mary, you're going to have a baby. She's a virgin. She said, how can this be, seeing that I don't know a man? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. Come on, somebody. Jesus was not conceived by man. That's why anytime somebody tries to rattle the cage of the virgin birth, of the immaculate conception, you cannot let that be unraveled. If Jesus was a son of a child of a man, then we are all doomed to hell. But if he truly was the son of God and came and lived as Emmanuel and died on a cross for us, then let me tell you something. There is hope in all things. Somebody give the Lord a praise in here. So when Mary gave birth to this baby, I love what 1 John, I believe it's chapter three, verse eight or somewhere around there says. It says, at his very appearing, the works of the devil were destroyed. Somebody say that with me. Say, at his very appearing, the works of the devil were destroyed. At his very appearance. Let's take the Bible literally. Can we do that? Mary is in Bethlehem in the city of David. She's full-blown nine months pregnant. They're in this stable or whatever cave. I don't care what they were in. All I know, you know what? They laid him in a manger. Come on, somebody. And Mary's in there moaning and she's groaning. She's having contractions. Mamas, can I get us some help? A witness from you in the room today. And she's about to give birth to this baby. And all of a sudden, I don't know, maybe they went and got a midwife and they're in there. And you know, we see all the beautiful little Christmas pictures of the cows sitting there looking and the donkeys looking and the sheep are looking. Let me tell you something. Anybody wanna tell me today that that's what it looked like, I'm gonna have to laugh at you because I watched my wife give birth to four babies. There wasn't nothing peaceful about that whole situation. There's a bunch of growling, ooh and on and screaming. And one time when she was given, uh, in labor with our oldest son, they were trying to induce labor, there was a lady across the hall from her. I thought a grizzly bear was in there killing that woman. <laughs> so let me tell you something. That scene of Jesus being born in that, in that stable or whatever it was, when he was coming out, it was a mess. It was a real life birth, y'all. But let me tell you this, when that baby, when Mary pushed and the head of that baby started crowning and coming out of that birth canal, let me tell you something, when they pulled Jesus out and they popped his little bottom or whatever and that little wang came out, oh baby, let me tell you something, that was the voice of the almighty God. was the second Adam announcing his arrival. And even as a little tiny baby, the earth had not seen anything birthed pure, sinless, holy, perfection, wrapped up in a flesh suit the earth had not seen anything like that since the day that Adam's teeth penetrated the flesh of that fruit. 
So when he hung on that cross, he didn't hang only as the son of man, but he hung as the son of God. He hung as the New Testament tells us as the second man. The second Adam. So that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So that whoever received his word when he said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Here it is, you ready? You wonder why I gave you that hashtag a minute ago? Because Jesus came to hashtag fix it. Everything Adam tore up, everything Adam messed up, Jesus came to fix it. Everything, every struggle that you are dealing with in your life, your family, the world, the high school, the middle schools, can all be traced back to a man holding a fruit and biting into it. And from there on, everything started going to hell in a handbasket. Jesus came to fix it. But Adam, how is that working for you? Let me see. I don't have time to go there. I don't have time to go there. I don't have time to go there. Hmm. Oh, watch out, sister. Don't, 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 don't say sick them to a junkyard dog now. Remember I've told you this. I mentioned it last week. I mentioned it today. Adam was not on the other side of the garden when Eve was having that conversation with that serpent. He's right there. Because the Bible says when she ate it, when she bit into it, she turned and gave it to her husband. King James Version, New King James Version, she gave it to her husband who was with her. Now folks, I'm gonna tell you right now, I've told y'all this, I pondered this question. What was Adam thinking? Why did he sit there quiet? Well, let me go ahead and tell you something. I'm not gonna pull an Adam on y'all. And the devil's at work with some stuff and somebody needs to talk about it. So I'm not gonna sit back and play quiet little Adam pretending nothing's gonna happen. In fact, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now, that is part of the problem that we are facing in the United States of America is for about the last 60 years, the church has sat back and played Adam. Instead of being in the second Adam's family, we've demonstrated more of the first Adam than the second Adam. I ain't getting no help, but I'm gonna talk about it. Talk about taking prayer out of school in the 1960s. Where was the church at? Oh, they'll never let that happen. It's going to the Supreme Court. Oh, I don't care, still not gonna happen. Prayer taken out of school. Well, how did that happen? Let's jump on from 1963, 64. Let's jump to 1972, 1973. Let's talk about abortion. And let's talk about how the last
last 50 years, 60 million people, about 60 million people have been killed in the most sacred, safe place of sanctity on the planet, which should be the womb of a mother. I know my body, my choice. If you choose wrong, you should have to play long, like nine months play long. Well, I figured this wouldn't go well. Let me talk to myself. <laughs> but I don't care what anybody says. You will find no more innocent blood on the planet than the blood of the unborn. And if you take your Bible app, you take your concordance, and you look up these two words, innocent and blood, and you look up those two words, innocent, blood, you're gonna find out there's some scriptures in that Bible, even where God passed judgment on Israel, God passed judgment on Judah, God passed judgment on Jerusalem, and one of the things he kept saying over and over is your streets are polluted with innocent blood. I am preaching today. I know I'm not gonna get uh, win any polls, but I didn't even come in here to play politician. I came in here to play prophet today. So in 1970, 69, 70, 71, and this thing started steamrolling and they're gonna make it, uh, abortion legal and the church is sitting back, hallelujah, when we all get to heaven. What a glorious day that will be, hallelujah. We sing an amazing grace. We got a red back, the black back. We got all kind of back hymnals that we could think of. And we sing in our songs and ain't nobody talking about they're about to make killing babies legal. Cause that'll never happen in America. It comes up through the ranks, it gets to the Supreme Court. That'll never happen in America. And it becomes Roe v. Wade and it becomes a national law and it becomes a federal mandated thing that states can kill babies, and then the church is sitting there, how did that happen? You know why? Because Adam's family sat back quiet. Well, let me tell you about the second Adam. The second Adam, he don't sit back quiet about injustice. He don't sit back, he does not sit back quiet when it comes to the things that displease the heart of the Father. In fact, in John 15, Jesus said, Herein is my Father well pleased that you bear much fruit. So let me tell you something to this generation that we have not borne much fruit in the kingdom of God in America, but we've seen America backslide and going down the tubes. We need some Christians today to stand up and stand in the gap and say no more. Ephesians chapter two, verses one through seven. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses. Again, this is Ephesians chapter two, verses one through seven. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world. You were dead and you were walking according to this world. That's Adam's family. And we were all once in that. And there are probably some of you in this room today that is in that. You're caught still in that trap. Well, let me ask you a question, Adam. How's that working for you? How's that depression going for you? How's that addiction working for you? 
How's that living a secret life working for you? How's that lying to your spouse working for you? How's that cheating on your job working for you? Because somewhere, let me tell you something, the wages of sin is death. And as much as Adam didn't fall dead on the moment that he bent into that fruit, somewhere there's gonna come a payday. Your spouse is gonna find out about you running around. You're gonna lose what you think is control over that addiction. Your boss is gonna find out what you've been embezzling from work. I am preaching up in this house today. Someday, Adam, it's gonna come back and it's gonna bite you on the posterior. And when it does, need to look in the mirror and say how's that working for you let me tell you about the second Adam Jesus he came to fix it can I tell you something about him he didn't just come to fix your situation my situations he came to fix us from the inside out in fact probably before he's going to deal with your problem He's going to be more apt to deal with you. But when he deals with you, oh, preacher, tell me something today. When he deals with you, thank you, sweet Holy Ghost. When he deals with you, you're going to find out you is most the majority of your problem. Look at somebody said, we're not sitting back. We're not gonna sit back, not gonna sit back, not gonna sit back, not gonna sit back, not gonna sit back. No, 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 no. Listen, 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 listen. I'm gonna, I gotta hurry up, I gotta hurry up. Ready, ready, fix it, fix it. See, here's the problem today. We want the situations fixed. We want the problems fixed. But here's the thing, y'all. You gotta let the right person fix the problem. Because see, the problems we face today, they came from Adam in the garden. Therefore, they are sin-based. They are spiritual by nature. They may manifest as natural problems, but it is demonic powers stirring the pot of a spiritual issue. Therefore, let me go ahead and tell you, get this, write this down. You can not fix a spiritual problem with a natural idea. You cannot fix a spiritual problem with a natural idea. Proverbs chapter 14, Proverbs chapter 16, 25. Again, both of these from the book of Proverbs. It's 14, 12, 16, 25. And they read the exact same way. Listen what they read. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Let me break this down to you. The Tim Hodge McCall version is this. Are y'all ready? And no, I'm not carrying two knives today. <laughs> Just to spite some of y'all. Actually, I forgot the second one, so that's my bad, because I was gonna get the dress knife. But anyway, let's move on. Listen, listen, listen. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Here's the Tim Hodge translation. Your good idea is not as good as you think it is. It won't fix it. 
Proverbs chapter 16, verse two. All of the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, the first portion of that verse, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. We need somebody who can fix it. Let me tell you something, folks. The first Adam started it, his kids can't fix it. In fact, let me go ahead and tell you this. How many of y'all believe in this country? How many of y'all believe in this county? How many of y'all believe in this school system? How many of y'all believe in this region? Scotland High School, Marlborough County High School. How many of y'all believe there's some serious issues that we're facing today? And how many of you believe you could ask 100 people from those areas and they could give you 100 different ideas that they think would help fix the problem? Let me go ahead and give you a little hint. You ready? Don't tell anybody this. If we could fix it, it wouldn't be a problem today. I'm sorry, was that too plain? <laughs> if we could fix it, we would have done fix it. We need a fixer. We need somebody bigger than I am. And we need, listen, 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 listen. I'm about, I'm about, I'm about to tread, I'm about to tread on some water. I'm about to get in trouble. I need you to hear me. I need you to hear my heart. We need to be careful what we're putting our hope and our trust in. I'm gonna give you two things we need Jesus to fix in us in this region, this region. Number one, we need Jesus to fix injustice. Now hold on just a minute. When I say that, remember, we can't fix it. We need Jesus to fix it. So we need to be careful what we embrace as a fix. For example, the brains of the world, the minds, the philosophers, the smart folk, that's supposed to be smarter than we are. They promote things like critical social justice and critical race theory. There is a book called Fault Lines by Dr. Bodhi Balkum, B-O-D-D-I-E Balkum, B-A-U-C-H-A-M. You can get it off Amazon, you can get it, you can go online and get it, Bodhi Balkum. Every professing Christian needs to read this book. Because listen to me, folks. Critical social justice and critical race theory, they are swooping in to say we have the answer. That we've got the ideas that we can fix the problems. Do we have problems? Yes, we have problems. Is there injustice? Yes, there is injustice. Is there bigotry? Yes, there's bigotry. Is there hatred? Is there racism? Yes, there is all of that demonically inspired stuff that comes through Adam's kids. But we can't fix racism. Not with a human philosophy. In fact, I'm going. I'm going here's what I'm about to march on troubled waters. I understand in critical race theory because these are mainly uh, sociologists, educators, professors, and philosophers that are promoting these concepts. They tell you and they trumpet this thing. Know your history. Well, I'm going to second that. I agree with them. Know your history. 
Read this book. Bodie Balkum will show you where critical social justice and where critical race theory came from. It came from Karl Marx. Marxism, as in the one who established the foundational philosophies of communism. And not only did he promote, and not only does critical race theory and critical social justice promote that, that there is inequality between races, between genders, between socioeconomic statuses. Not only is there inequality, but we've got to have a revolution to tear down the lines. That's kind of like cutting your arm off to get a splinter out of your finger. Does God hate injustice? Let me tell you something. God hates injustice. In fact, write these scriptures down. Just write them down. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the stranger. You know what that is? Foreigner. The person that doesn't look like everybody else. The person that has a different skin tone or skin color or a different language. God is the one who watches over them, giving him food and clothing. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 9. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not pervert justice. This is God talking and reiterating the law. Deuteronomy 16, 9. You shall not pervert justice. And how many times have y'all heard of King Solomon? When God came and asked him, what do you want me to do for you? What did he say? Wisdom. Understanding. Have you ever read a couple of verses later when God is responding to him? Because here's what it says in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 11. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have you asked for riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the, for the life of your enemies, listen now, but have asked for yourself understanding, listen here, to discern justice. God was impressed. Solomon wasn't just saying, I want to be smart. But at the depths of his heart, God, Solomon was saying, God, I want to have wisdom so I can rightly give justice to your people. Now, let me ask you a question. If God is all for justice, but we see so much injustice, where's that coming from? first Adam and the devil that manipulated them. See folks, listen, listen to me. If Christ is all about justice, then Antichrist is all about injustice. Then you better go ahead and recognize with a big red flag, get your Sharpie out and mark it. Whenever you see injustice happening, you need to say, look, that's not being done by white folk, that's being done by devil folk. That's not being done by black folk. That's being done by devil folk. Amen. I ain't getting no help up in here. Amen. That's not being done by rich folk. That's being done by devil folk. Let me go ahead. Everybody say this. Say fix it. Fix. I'm going to wind this down. I'm going to wind my land this plane right here. Ready? We can't fix that. Anything that we try to do to fix it is going to blow up in our face. But let me tell you something. We can't fix it. We don't need to fix it. Jesus fixed it. 
What we've got to do is we've got to walk out what Jesus gave us to walk out. Write these scriptures down. Ephesians chapter two, verses 11 through 16. Therefore, remember that you, he's talking to the Christians at the church at Ephesus. So if you're a Christian, wave your hand and say, he's talking to me. All right, now look, hold on, raise your hand one more time. Look around, you'll find somebody with a hand up and say, hey, he's talking to you. <laughs> Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, that is your Adam nature, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. That is, you were a non-Jew and the non-Jews called you uncircumcised. In other words, there's this uh, cultural racial barrier here. And you're on the outside. You're the minority. I don't care who you are in here. Red, yellow, black, white. To the Jews, if you were non-Jew, you're the scum of the earth. I mean, y'all know God ain't down with all that. So you're called uncircumcised by what is called a circumcision made by the flesh of hands. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We were still stuck under the first Adam's regime. Being aliens to the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. How many of y'all glad that didn't stop right there? Is anybody reading this with me? How many of y'all see verse 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Somebody shout, thank God for the blood of Christ. See, I don't care what you had in your past, there is nothing greater than the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I thank God today that I can still plead the blood of Jesus. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace. He's my fixing. He's not just the fixer, y'all. He's the fix. Somebody give him some praise up in here. Listen, listen, listen. For he himself is our peace who has made both one. Look what he says. And has broken down the middle wall of separation. So let me tell you right now. You better hear me. You want to fix the injustice? You want to fix bigotry and racism where you work at in your schools, in your community? Listen, listen, here's how you do it right here. Be a Christian and act like a Christian. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm going to make some folk mad up here. But listen, uh, you can't be white, you can't be a white Christian. You can't be an Indian Christian. You can't be a Lumbee Christian. You can't be a black Christian. You can't be polka dotted Christian. I am a white man, but before I'm a white man, 
I was born a white person. I was not born with a silver spoon in my mouth. My daddy was born on a mill hill where they said you could look down through the floor and see the chickens running around underneath in the mill house. His daddy died when he was 12 years old because my granddaddy had to work two shifts a day in the cotton mill and he would come home so covered over in cotton dust that they'd have to stand out on the porch and sweep him off. And after years of inhaling all that cotton dust, he died of brown lung. My daddy was 12 years old, had to drop out of school and worked his whole life hard and eventually later in life got a GED. My mama grew up dirt poor. In fact, when my grandparents moved from Laurenburg off Gill Street or wherever over to McCall, my mama had to stay over here with some family members and eventually it's they got her over there. Let me tell you something. I come from dirt poor on both sides. I come from chronic alcoholism on both sides. I come from infidelity on both sides. But let me tell you something. On July the 8th, 1984, on a Sunday night, I made a trip down to an altar. And let me tell you something. Jesus made me brand new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. That if any man be in Christ. He is a new creature. I became born again and I didn't walk away from that altar that night as a born again white person. I walked away as a born again child of God. And if we allow this wall of separation that Jesus torn down, that he has torn down, if we allow any philosophy, mindset, culture, whatever your grandma or grandpa told you, if we allow that to build that wall back up, I'm telling you that is anti-Christ. And you need to trample it underfoot. We're here for peace. Ephesians chapter four tells us to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You know what that means? That means I love my brothers and sisters. I don't care what your skin color is. I had some pastors get mad at me one time because I told them, I said, I am truly color blind. And they got mad and said, you cannot be color blind. You look at a black man, there's gotta be something coming through your mind that has a racist, racist something, bedrock racist thought. I'm like, nope, you talking to the wrong person. There might be a lot of people have that problem, but let me tell you something. This book right here tells me that he has transformed me. This book tells me that he has renewed my mind. And I'm gonna tell you what, yeah, I might've had that stuff in my family. I might've had it in my background, but let me tell you today, folks, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are one in him. If you are born again, if you are born again, and you're living by the second Adam, let me ask you this today. How's that working for you? Somebody stand up and give him a praise. If the second Adam is your daddy, how's that working for you? Oh, I believe y'all could do a little bit better than that, can't you? I believe y'all could do a little bit better than that, can't you? Come on, isn't he worthy? Come on, in the lamb who cried out, it is finished. Isn't he worthy? In the one that allowed his flesh to be ripped from his body. Come on, somebody, and allowed them to nail him to a cross. Isn't he worthy today? He came to fix it. He came as the fixer. He came to fix me. 
He came to fix you. And I'm going to tell you what, he does not halfway do it. He fixes us. Hallelujah. I am persuaded that he who has begun the good work in you, I am confident of it, that he who has begun the good work in you will be faithful to perform it. I'm still, I'm still in process. Hallelujah. He's still working on me. Is he still working on you? Hallelujah. Jesus, today, Lord, we love you. God, I pray today. Lord, you said in your word to love what is good and to hate, have a holy indignation against what is evil. So Father, I pray over these folk that are with me in this room, those that are watching online today. God, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, touch our hearts, touch our minds. God, I pray you to cause in this generation and culture that we are in, God, I pray that you would cause this element of injustice, put a hate in our hearts about it that we would pray against it, that we would rebuke it, that we would understand that the enemy is using it. He's stirring the pot of the flesh of the first Adam's kids. He's making hurt fester. He's making hate rage. But God, I declare today over the second Adam's kids, I declare greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Friend, today, I thank God for the cross. And I thank God for his mercy. I thank God for the price that he paid. If you are in this room today or you're watching with me online, I gotta give you this call. I've gotta give you this moment. Let me please expressly say to you, you can be born again. You can be changed. Jesus Christ is no respecter of persons. No matter you're rich, you're poor, you're white, you're black, you're polka dotted, you're male, you're female, educated or uneducated, God Almighty has a plan and a purpose for your life. And the rest of us that are already born again, we are here to pray over you, watch over you, nurture you, and guard you to see to it that his plan comes to fruition. We will not discount nor discredit nor cut you off because of your failures or your frailties. We will be gracious and loving and kind and patient with you. Because somebody has done those very things for us. So today, if you're under the sound of my voice and you need to be born again, you know today Jesus is not the Lord of your life. That if breath left your body right now, you know you would die lost, not knowing where your eternity is going to be spent. Today, you need to be sure. Today, I want to welcome you into the family of God. Today, I want you to pray with me and let Jesus Christ be the Lord of your life. I want everyone just to bow your head. We're going to pray quickly. 
Just bow your head with me for a moment. If you're in this room today and you can honestly say, Pastor Tim, if breath left my body right now, I don't know where I would spend eternity. I'm not for sure. I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray with you today. Anybody? Anybody? All right, then I'm going to say everybody here must be sure. But maybe there's somebody out there on the internet, somebody on Facebook, YouTube, Roku, or maybe somebody's going to be at work listening to this on a podcast tomorrow. If you are and you're not sure, I'm going to pray this prayer, and I want you to pray it from your heart. Congregation, would you help me pray this prayer? Say, Heavenly Father, today I come to you. I humble my life. I surrender. I thank you for life and life more abundantly. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Take me, Lord. I repent of my sin. I need you to change me. I need you to fix me. You can fix it. You can fix it. You can fix me. I humble myself before you. Jesus Christ, be the Lord of my life. Amen. Hallelujah. Would y'all give the Lord one more praise one more time? Y'all show Pastor Emeritus Kenneth Blee some love. He's gonna come bless you with a benediction today. Before, before he comes, I have a couple announcements to make, please. I got distracted and did it. If you are a teacher on Sunday mornings in children's church, toddler class, any of the young people's classes, to a reminder that there is a meeting right after service today. Also, we have our soaking service tonight at 6 o'clock. We hope that you will join us at the, at the um, campus where the youth church is, where Restoring Hope is on Lees Mill Road. We hope that you'll be there with us. How many of you have been there with us before? It's an amazing time. Amen. So please join us. And also, Sunday the 30th, we will be having Family and Friends Day. So y'all start inviting your family and friends. We're going to have a wonderful time. We're going to have food. It's going to be catered. And we're going to have games and things for you to do. So start inviting people now. I wish I could talk fast like that. (laughs) What did you say? Just kidding, just kidding. It's wonderful to be together and worship the Lord our God. Amen. Thank God for his word. I know you were blessed. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen and amen. So be it. God bless you.